Back to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you? Long time no speak, my good friend. Are you well? Roscoe, is that you? Is that really you? Aye, laddie. Aye, laddie. That is me, pal. I'm here. I'm back from Scotland and uh, I, I brought the accent with me. Right. I told you, I told you, I told you it was catching, pal. And um, it's easy to see how because it's just so easy to embrace Scottish culture, Scottish golf, Scottish food, everything about the place. No, seriously, Rocket. Um, I'm back, mate. It's I'm back and ready to rumble with you, my good man. Missed you. Missed you. Oh, it doesn't. It, it's just the last month. It hasn't felt the same. You know, I, I nearly got back on Twitter because I was just feeling really just angry and just despondent and just felt lonely. <laughs> it was just, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I was just living vicariously through the things that you were putting on Instagram and, oh, like, oh, oh, my goodness. Everyone did. Did you really, Sorry, did you really play North Berwick twice? Yeah, I did. I, oh. I did really play the North Berwick West Links. Uh, twice, and uh, let me say it was very enjoyable the first time, and equally, if not more so, enjoyable the second time. So, uh, right. yeah, no, I had right. I think, had some great I golfing think, experiences. Right, to, I think we have to show the normal running. I, hmm. I, I, I need to know everything. Hmm. So the first question: hmm. How many weeks were you away? Oh, well, uh, maybe three. Three. Yeah, let's say three. How many games of golf did you play in that time? That's a good question. It's a good question, which I didn't keep account of, which would suggest that I played a number of games. And what would happen, I sort of played every second day. So I'd have a day on and a day off. But... You know, basically when we arrived, we arrived on a Thursday. By Friday morning, I was in the, the rental car. Um, I, 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 we couldn't call it our rental car because it was predominantly my my car <laughs> for getting me to the <laughs> to the golf courses of East Lothian. Yeah, but, the important stuff. Yeah, exactly. But by Friday morning, I was in the car and, and motoring down the uh, Edinburgh Bypass to Craigie Law Golf Club to pick up my uh, international membership documents, um, which consisted of a nice letter and a bag tag. And I made myself familiar with the surroundings there at Craigie Law, which I think in the previous checkup pod that I did, um, it's a newer course. It's uh, 20 years old. It's built on some farming land next to Kilspindy, which is, you know, real, true, old, hundreds of year old links. And, uh, the Earl of Weems was kind enough to build a golf course for the people of East Lothian and Scotland on his uh, property, which abounds and surrounds the entire area. 
and he built Craigie Law there. So I was down there by the Friday, so under 24 hours of being in the ground, on the ground, and I was off for some golf. And I was back down there on Saturday, played in the uh, September medal with uh, a young guy, young five handicapper. He was pretty pretty serious. And uh, another chap, Michael, who was um, uh, one of the directors of a, of a business in Edinburgh, Australian guy. We had a few things in common, uh, strange enough, small place, small world. Um, you know, so I rock up to Craigie Law and I hadn't booked into the medal and I just asked the guys, I said, is there any games going? And they said, yes, we've got a spot at 11.15 um, with Michael. You'll like him, he's an Australian. I was like, oh, right, I've come to Scotland and I'm playing with an Aussie. And he was a fantastic guy, very successful <laughs> businessman, has a, has a, he and his partner have a, a series of um, about 80 spa wellness um, beauty, beauty businesses all throughout England. And um, turns out he was a sponsor of one of the young ladies who I managed to get an interview with, who was already a friend of mine, but a young LET access player, Gabrielle McDonald. So, yeah. Just one of those things. I was paired with a guy who happened to be a sponsor of someone that I already knew, and yeah, we had a great afternoon. And it, funnily enough, he was a former Peninsula member, um, so he'd spent some, he'd spent some time in Melbourne, and and but, but was basically from Sydney, and was a Kalara member or a Pimble member, one of those two. And uh, yeah, there's a few things in common. So that was day two. I was playing in a medal. I learned I learned a little bit about the medal play over there. Um, of course, they take it very serious, but they they do something which I later found out that I probably we don't do here. Um, you know, furthest from the hole always putts. So you know they do that thing where you know if you putt it yep. up to the hole and you don't want to hole it, you mark it, and then the, the next bloke who's furthest away putts, and if he doesn't want to hole it out or you know or he doesn't hole yeah. it out, he marks it. Then the next bloke yep. who's furthest away putts, and no one putts out. So I've rocked up and I'm not keeping score because I don't have an official, you know, British handicap yeah. or anything, but I'm a member of the club, so I'm playing with these guys and I'm just standing over the line, you know, one foot, tapping it in, just putting out, putting first before they get to the green. And I may have got a few funny looks along the way, but I, I found out later that uh, they take the medal very, very seriously and honour and they don't play, um, you know, ready golf. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so it was a bit... A bit strange to find that out, but yeah, it still only took us like three and a half hours. So that is one thing about golf over there, mate. That um, uh, they obviously don't muck around, then, do they? It's really quick. Like I don't, or, I don't, or or they've really figured out the air density, the the velocity of, and the the shape of the grass and the width of the leaf on the grass. So they've done all the calculations before they get to it. Maybe Bryson should spend some time there. No, I didn't see any Bryson DeChambeau. It's more just walk up, get your measurement, and bang, and off you go. And uh, it was it was pretty good. So yeah, back to the original question. Sorry, we've gone off off track a little bit. Oh no, oh, no. I'm, so here's a question. Yeah. So you're you're saying an international member? Yes. So how much did it cost to be an international member at Craggy Law? Well, I think the full for the full year it is four hundred pounds. So, it's, so it's about eight hundred dollars. Now, I didn't pay that much because obviously their membership year is the same as our membership year. It's April to end of March. So, I, I paid for the remainder of the membership year, which is till the end of March. So, I paid pro rata, 
and I think it was 200 pounds. So about, I think my credit card bill was $400. Yeah. And I reckon relative to the cost of playing as a, you know, a walk up or a, a random, I got pretty good value because, you know, you within, well, yeah, within, well, I had a base. So it was in the first two days I, I'd hit a, a thousand golf balls on, on the range on day one and had a bit of a chip and a putt and a walk around and, Day two, I played in the, the comp and then hit a few more balls and just, you know, started to get the feel of some some golf over there. And basically every time that I played down there, I would end up back there and I'd either play another nine holes or I'd spend some time on the range and chipping and pitching and putting and doing all that sort of stuff. So I might have played at Craigie Law six or seven times, maybe eight times, you know, like three times uh, a week. There's, there's, there's your green fees and all the other stuff covered. Yeah, but wait for it. There's more. No. They have this great system um, at Craigie Law because it's a new club and it's, you know, not a, a thousand years old like everything else is. They've built an accommodation wing, so they've got about 20 rooms. So it's a very popular um, destination for groups, tour groups that stay in that area. So, you know, they've got a great bar and, and restaurant and all that sort of thing. Um but they've got accommodation. So as part of an international membership, you get five nights per annum uh, in the first year of your international membership. So that's allowed to allow you to come and stay there and bring your friends or do whatever. And so pro right, I had three nights. So, yeah. So now, now how did how did um, uh, Mrs. My Love of Golf appreciate that? No, she didn't know. No, we set, we kept Mrs. My Love of Golf and Mr. My Love of Golf kept their uh, kept the golf separate. Let's say, let's say it was, oh, we, she, kept, kept the itineraries rather you know uh, apart from each other, and not in a bad way. But the golf time was was Ross, you know, Ross's golf time, and and she doesn't. <laughs> in fairness to to Mrs. My Love of Golf, she has zero interest in golf. Um, it probably takes up too much of her life just by being married to someone who was 150% involved in golf in every way, shape and form of his life. So she's quite happy to keep that separate. So, and that included not even wanting to partake of the accommodation, but I did get to use it because my dad was in Scotland at the same time for a week or so. We crossed over and we had a great night down there. You know, we spent some time together like we hadn't spent before. And, um, we had a great night down there at Craigie Law. We also had a great night at, um, which we'll get to to this, but we had a great night at the Duck Duck Inn, Ducks Inn in uh, Abilady, where, um, you know, if you've watched Eric Anders Lang's videos, you know, you've seen Eric hanging out with Malcolm Duck on the golf course at Renaissance. Uh, if you listen to our friends. Is that at- the one where Mitch, where Mitch was in the, um, was in the video? No, that's Eric Anders Lane, but that was a St. Andrews video. So, um, uh, uh, Eric and Malcolm Duck have done a few things together, but um, he's also, you know, you'll see um, Malcolm in playing out sideways. You know, the, the other guys who do the podcast in Scotland, um, you know, he's hung out with those on the, those guys on the course. And Malcolm is just like the bon vivant of golf in uh, East Lothian. So he's on one of the boards or committees of the promotional groups um, that are responsible for promoting the area down there. And he has this great little, let's call it a golf pub, a golf gastro pub um, with accommodation. Is that, 
Is that the one where you're putting off the bar? Yeah, that's it. That's that's ducks. The ducks in, ducks in. It's please of that that photo is still for me the highlight photo from all the ones that you posted, um, except for probably the uh, the bunker on the Adent at Mirafield. We'll get to that. <laughs> but explain to me what. What in blue blazers were you doing to have you on the top of a bar putting? What game was was ensuing? Well, it's a it's a putting game, and you must stand on the bar stool and putt from the bar stool next to you. The bar stool needs to be propped against the bar, which therefore limits your um, takeaway, you know, ability with the old hickory putter that you're using so you're using a modern Calamity, golf ball Calamity Jane something like that and uh, you should see the putt the, the stool that you putt off you know it's got divots out of it and it's very well worn from where the, the old putter um, knocks about but you're basically putting onto a uh, a seesaw a timber seesaw which is placed in the appropriate distance as it's always placed away from the bar and your job is to with eight balls get one of those balls to run up the seesaw tip the seesaw over and stay within the um, it's got a little bit of a ridge around it like a catching area on the on the top end of the seesaw so you have to get it to run up the seesaw the seesaw tips over and if the ball stays in there you win and I think you know you winning gets means that you get shouted a round of drinks by everyone who's in the bar and all that sort of stuff that would be the best game ever well you, you can imagine you know with a group of people in the bar as there was the night that my father and I were there and um, oh, already lubed up as well. American golfers, um, you know, I think I think they go for a week or a week and a half at a time, and <laughs> they live in a fairly fairly well lubricated state um, for most of the time <laughs> during their golf trips. So by the time that they had uh, finished their meals and drunk their next um, next round of pints, that were always a come company by a wee dram um you know i was in the in the game with about 12 um colleagues from uh from america who had played all of the courses were off to go and play somewhere else like gullen or something the next day and and they were all into it so i just joined in had a go and yeah it was good fun but it's it's just a it's just a good way of uh creating some uh activity in a in a bar and you want to say it's a golf gastro pub, you know, it's one of these places that's got a load of memorabilia around the wall, um, adorning the walls from mostly golf, but different sports. You know, it's got flags from all of the local clubs. It's got hats in there that have been signed and, and bequeathed from different people. You know, I left one for so It's just one of those places that you would go, there would be good beer, good food, good, anything, any, good food, well, there's a good rest, atmosphere, there's good a culture, fine everything, di- fine, and it's just, it's just one of those places where you go, I'm going to be here all night for the rest of the week. You can stay there, you can eat there, and you can do everything there. And as, as you say, it's, you know, it's a great it's a great little place. You know, it's just on the side of the main road and away you go. But Malcolm Duck is a, is a quite a special um, and a iconic man down in that area. He's very well known and, you know, he's very active in, in promoting golf in East Lothian. Um, he's across all the boards. He knows pretty much everyone who's anyone to do with anything to do with golf and you know what I met him and I had a little goodie bag for him because obviously I'd seen Malcolm on um, 
you know, Eric and, and with the guys um, I'm playing out sideways. So I took a little gift bag and said, look, you know, that's from my course. If you ever get down to Australia, you know, be happy to welcome you down there. And without even thinking, he just said, well, what are you doing here? Um, let's go and play a renaissance. Here's my number. Here's my number. Uh, give me a call. And and it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a token invitation. It was genuine, and I took him I took him up on that offer, and we played Renaissance. So, home of the Scottish Open this year. Um, it was the course that they tore apart, but they tore it apart because any links golf gets torn apart when when it's benign. It's dry. Yeah. Oh, not dry. Not dry. It was um. It was a bit wet. A bit green. It was, it was not how not how Tom likes it. Yeah, so it was green and the conditions, you know, without a lot of wind, um, yeah. which is perfect for yeah. perfect for low, low, low scoring, as any as any links course gets torn apart. So um, yeah, we might get to Renaissance. There was probably a couple of courses in between, but yeah, Malcolm Duck, the ducks, so, uh, ducks in at Abilady, You've got to go there. So there for three weeks, played every second day. So that works out. So I've done Craigie oh, Law. We're talking about. 10, 10, 10 courses, well, I'm assuming, 10, yeah, 10 courses. Yeah. So Craigie Law is your, your base yourself. Yeah, then, uh, then Kilspin. They look really good. Kilspin, so yeah. What was... The one what next was the door. Next one you played? The next one next to that is Kilspindy. So I talked about that in the check-in pod, but Kilspindy yeah. is that, you know, old traditional links. It's only about five and a half thousand yards, but my. Is that the one with the, the the brick wall that you the the rock wall that you've been you just got an absolute fascination with? Oh, every course has got a rock wall over there. Don't worry about that. So that's that's therefore the, the reason for the fascination. Every, the, yeah, these ancient rock walls were, were were part of the farmland. So, you know, when they put the golf courses in, the rock walls, you know, were pretty much maintained as, as features or boundaries. And, you know, one of these old rock walls separates Craigie Laws, farming land, to Kilspindy. Um, Kilspindy is traditional old links. Um you know, holes running down by the waterside, you know, against the wind, and then you loop back around. Not long holes, but it's one of those old traditional clubs. You know, you're sitting in the members' bar, and around you are the lockers. The members have their lockers, old timber, ye oldie worldy lockers, in the members' bar. So you're having a pint, and then, you know, old, you know, young Barry brings his clubs in and just pops them in his locker in the members' bar. And that's how it was back in the day, and that's how they maintain it. They had, the lockers are stacked on top of each other, and the bottom, yeah. locker, the bottom locker actually is only half the size. And the guys we were sitting with were telling a joke that, you know, the lockers were for small people. Yeah, you've got to understand the Scots' sense of humour, and sometimes it borders on being inappropriate. Sometimes, but that, this is what that's. It's for the wee laddie. It's for the wee laddie. Exactly, but really, what 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 happened was the lockers go into the basement. But yeah, it's hard to explain. But the the locker half of it goes in the basement. You access it from above, but half of it's down below. So they fit two in. But uh, crazy stuff. So you can see Kilspindy on. Once again, keep talking about Eric Anders Lang. You know, he's trailblazed this whole area. It's what probably made Eric Anders Lang what he is today when he did the um, unofficial guide to Scotland. He does a good um, a good vlog on, on Kilspindy. It's a lot of fun. And he recently went back there and played it with uh, Tom Doak. When the Scottish Open was on, Malcolm, Tom Doak and Eric and uh, Stu Kerr went out and played Kilspindy. So, you know, when you've got the likes of a Tom Doak wanting to go and play 
kill Spindy. And I think, I think every they'd had more open champion or more national, no, not national, uh, more major champions that come to play kill Spindy than any other course in Scotland. This is something like that, you know, like that, there was a figure that one of the guys gave me and, and they just rattled off every major champion that had played there. Most recently, uh, Cambo, Michael Campbell, uh, went there and, and they all come back in and, and it's just like, you know, we had so much fun. Don't do anything to the course. Yeah. Yeah. So then after kill, what was, what was the next one you played after so, Spindy? So the next one was with uh, my mate Josh. Now Josh, uh, and you can find Josh on Instagram. He's uh, at golfing underscore Scotland. So go and follow Josh because he posts some nice uh, pictures and images and his journey of being a golfer in Scotland. He's not a Scot. Josh is a Californian and he's over there working at the University of Edinburgh as one of the high-end academics in, you know, his field of study. So um, he lives in Scotland. He loves Edinburgh. He lives in Edinburgh. He's a member at Duddingston and a member down at uh, North Berwick, only a new member at North Berwick. But he's, you know, pretty much one of those guys like us that is happy to take a guest on there to the course and to experience it and enjoy it. Um, you know, as long as you're not a, a DH, away you go. So we went to North Berwick, met up with Josh and uh, one of Josh's mates, Keith, had a great round, um, played some golf. I'd played at North Berwick before and pretty much I played North Berwick the opposite to what I played the first time. So there are a number of holes that stand out significantly at North Berwick. So when you think about North Berwick, North Berwick is like St Andrews, but on the other side of the water. So that body of water which separates Fife. Yeah, where all the template holes are. Right? Yeah, correct. It's the template holes. So, um, Charles, Charles B. McDonald, Seth Rayner, that's, that's the motherland. They've all taken it from there. And so North Berwick is like the 13th oldest golf course in the world or golf club in the world. Uh, it was the first club to allow women to be members, albeit they were only granted full membership fairly recently, but you know it was it was significant in that um, environment. Uh, what else? You know, it, it was a place where you know old Tom Morris would come across and play Willie Park. You know, they'd come across the water in the boat and moor up at uh, North Berwick Harbour and play. So it was one of the places, you know, like Musselburgh, North Berwick, where professional golf has its origins. Musselburgh just up the road, where you know the original. You know, um, nine hole links was based at Musselburgh Racecourse. All that area is just so um, engendered in golf history; it's unbelievable. So, I played it, and I played it pretty much the opposite. So, what I mean by that is the the one hole that is pretty pretty much one of the signature holes. If there's a handful of signature holes at North Berwick, it's called North Berwick. It's called Pit. Pit is the shortish path four. It's about the thirteenth. Um, depending on the wind, you know, it's usually, say, a driving iron off the tee. And one of these old fences basically butts along the, the side of the green. So it separates the fairway to the green. So you can't see the bottom of the pin in your approach shot. And the green is like a, a peanut shape. It runs thin and long. So you're not hitting to a fat part. You're hitting to a long part of the green. And probably not just doing it justice in, this, in the description, but 
when I played it the first time, you know, it was like a driving iron, a gap wedge, flicked it over to a foot, tapped it in for a birdie. This time, it was into the wind. I hit, I think, my five wood, and then I hit a five iron because I fluffed my five wood short, and I was wedged up against the uh, the wall, and then had to chip it over, and you know, I think two putted or three putted or something like that. So it was totally the opposite. I think you can see on Josh's Instagram me chipping from just the other side of the wall. But uh, what else? Yeah, so the pit. So, yeah, North Berwick is synonymous for the template holes, Rocket, as you described. So what are the uh, templates? Let's talk about the – let's tell the listeners who um, – the guys that don't know what a template hole is, what are some of the template holes, mate? So the most famous one is the Redan. So the – Part three, there's essentially a blind tee shot with a green that slopes from front to back, so away um, from the uh, the shot maker. And um, one that's been copied many, many, many times. That's any McDonald or Rainer course has been... That's, that's almost like their signature hole. And it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't even have to be a par three, but generally it is a par three and it's in different spots on the course. So that's the most, um, um, popular one. So, uh, so let's talk about the North Berwick Redan and talk about the effects of Lynx golf and wind. So the first time I played the Redan, I'm pretty sure, and it was a few years ago, I hit an eight iron. Granted, I was short and, you know, it's elevated at the front, so I was down in the very smallish bunker, but maybe 12 feet, you know, from the bottom of the bunker up to the top of the green, which, which as you described very correctly, slopes away from you. The last time I played it, a week ago, I hit a four iron. So that's the sort of difference that, that the wind can make. You know, I hit a cut four iron, and to my credit, it was the only time that I ever hit the ball onto the green and two-putted for a par. It was my first par. I was very happy with that, actually, because it's one of those holes that, you know, as a par three, I find them testy enough as it is, but this one, this it's a difficult hole. Jack Nicholas is, rates it as one of his the best holes he's ever played. North Berwick Redan hole, he reckons it's one of the best holes he's ever played. And, uh, yeah, so that's the difference of wind and Lynx golf. You know, it can be a, a four-club turnaround depending on, you know, a number of things. So what other what other templates can we talk about from North Berwick before we move on? Uh, the Berwick. Yep. So that's uh, the 16th hole at North Berwick. So you need to go on and have a look at this green, uh, the pictures and the images of the Berwick green at North Berwick. Now, the first time I played it, downwind, driver. Once again, I think there was a there might be a picture on Josh's Instagram of me hitting the driver. I splashed it, absolutely pured it, and I was pretty much beside the green. It's about a 340-yard uh, hole. Just flushed it and, you know, it caught a bump and a swale and obviously kicked on. And the green... The Beeritz Green. So, what's a Beeritz? What would have what would have been facing Rocket if I'm beside the Beeritz Green on the 16th hole at North Berwick? Uh, there's probably bunkers, mm. but depending on where the pin is, you're either chipping over what seems like a Grand Canyon, and the Green's probably kind of running away from you at all sorts of angles 
I hate it, to think of the shot that you've got. It's it's another peanut shaped green, you know, long ways. <laughs> and you're exactly right. But chipping fescue and chipping and spin like we know it here in Australia, it just is such a different equation. You know, you can as happened today at Peninsula, you chip it up, you put a nice bit of, you know, action on it, bounce, bounce, stop. On links grass on the greens, it's bounce, bounce, roll. It just releases and it it just goes against everything you think about because it's actually quite soft. It feels soft, you know, but it just doesn't plug. It doesn't plug. It's very springy. There's a lot of spring in the ground and that's why this Lynx game is played a lot on the ground and they play bump and runs and chip and runs because there's no point flopping a wedge up there because they just don't spin like they do in America or Australia or that sort of thing. So I'm beside this beer. It's green. You can't, you can't play a chip on it. I, I tried to, stupidly, but I had to go up this, the back the back pod of the green, I'm going to call the green is two pods, the front pod and the back pod. And in the middle of the two pods is a five to six foot swale, which is all part of the green. So imagine a raised saucer, a five foot swale to a raised saucer. So I've tried to chip it up onto the saucer. I've landed it next to the pin and it's just bounced and gone straight over the other side. I dropped another ball down and putted it up there and it was actually putted to about five feet, which would have been the shot. You've got to play it along the ground. Chipping, you know, lob wedges, you know, they're very rarely used, maybe out of, unless you're out of a, you know, a pot bunker, but um, it's hard to describe a beer. It's green. You need to go and have a look at it. But the 16th at North Berwick is one of the two, I think, originals. The original might have been in France. At, at, uh, I forget the name of the course, but it's arguable. But um, unbelievable. What else? What else? So, what else? So, the, so, so which one was – what hole was the beer at North Berwick? 16. 15. So 16. Yep. Now I've seen a photo of this one and they call it the gate. So this is the, like the green that's divided in two. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm. It's crazy. Unbelievable. But they're, um, oh, North Berwick's just a classic, you know, course that's in the town. So it's like St. Andrews, you know, we, if you just watched the golf on the weekend, you've, you've seen St. Andrews being, you know, very close on the town. You walk from the main street, round the corner, you're on the first tee. North Berwick's like that. There's no car park at North Berwick. And you park on the side of the 18th fairway at your own risk because <laughs> like at St. Andrews, you know, if you get an errant tee shot, you know, you, you slice one, um, as I nearly did, you know, you're in the front of a car. Um, the members the members actually have special insurance Um for hitting oh, cars, really? yeah, for hitting cars, but it's very, uh, it's very much like the St Andrews of of East Lothian, and it's just a special, special place. You must go there and play it. Um, you know, like a lot of the courses over there, these these courses, it's totally accessible. They have days where they have guests, um, not, not guests, but sorry, certainly members can take guests, as as I was a guest of Josh, but. Um, they have times, plenty of times, where you can book as a visitor. The, the members are happy with visitors. There's no animosity. You know, it's all part of, you know, being part of the North Berwick experience for a day. When you play 
at North Berwick, you are considered a member and a guest for the day. You can use all of the club that the members use, the showers, the locker rooms, all of the facilities. No, no issues. The only thing you have to the the only thing you have to do at North Berwick that uh, oh it wasn't weird but um, that they were very adamant on you must take off your waterproof jacket if you've got a like a spray jacket or a wind jacket or something like that on you have to take that off before you go into the club. That was fair enough. Yeah. North Berwick. So that was uh, that was the next golf course. What was the next one? What was the next one? So fire off. What what are the other ones that you played? Just rattle them off what you could think of that well, you played over those three weeks. Yeah, well, the next course in, in order of play was, uh, well, I'll give it its formal name. You can tell the listeners uh, and the guys listening um, what the course name is, the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers Rocket. Oh, Muirfield. Yeah. All right, we'll come back to that one. Okay. Um, what, was it, what was the one after that? Uh, after that was Saturday at the Renaissance Club. Members roll up. So, yeah. So myself, uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Duck, and five, four other um, of the Renaissance members uh, in the Saturday morning roll-up, and uh, we played in a six because Scotland's the sort of place where you can play in a six. Um, if, if you, if not, a, not, not, not everywhere, but certainly the Renaissance Club, um, and we played in a six, and we played. Two uh, three-man Ambroses, us versus the others, and it was just a lot of fun. It was it was a heap of fun. Good fun. Had been good fun. It, what, uh, so then, what was after Renaissance? Well, then, uh, played North Berwick again. Uh, okay. Then, what was after North Berwick? Again? Well, <laughs> so this this is sort of getting down to the last day. So, Craigie Law is interspersed with all of these these rounds, and a little bit of you know. Mr. My Love and Mrs. My Love of golf time and family time and I had a wedding and a couple of games yep. of football and all the other things that, you know, we like to do when we're in Scotland. Um, so then finished with Dunbar. So the North Berwick and Dunbar day, that was a bit of a contrast. So the, played 18 holes at North Berwick in the morning, had a 2.30 tea time at Dunbar. Once again, if you want to look at Dunbar, jump onto Eric's um, unofficial guide to Scotland on Eric Anders Lane's YouTube and you'll find a very good little overview of Dunbar and you'll see one of the guys that I interviewed for the podcast uh, interview on there as well, young Paul. He was classic. But by the time I got to Dunbar for my 2.30 tee off, this weather phenomenon, which exists all around the world, but in Scotland it has a name, a distinct name. It's called the Har, H-A-A-R, had set in. North Berwick in the morning, beautiful, sunshine, a little bit of wind, whatever. I get to Dunbar, which is 10 minutes down the road, the fog sets in. I couldn't see 50 metres. You couldn't see the first, um, I think the third hole, which is a par three. You couldn't see. So they suspended play, uh, hung around for a bit, and then it started to rain. So once the har lifted a little, I... um, Started on the fourth tee, which is just near the pro shop. Played the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. Started to get quite wet. And I thought, well, I'm here. I want to have a look at this course because they, they refer to Dunbar as like the Sipe, um, the Pebble Beach of Scotland. And it's an out and back, um, very tradition, very true links. Um, I think it's the Tom Morris original design. 
and you really are only a fair way away from the water at any stage. And there's a couple of little narrow points where you sort of cross over that, you know, the green and the tees are very close together as they are in a lot of the links courses over there. So I, I wanted to see Dunbar and, you know, once you get down the back into the eighth and ninth, you know, he's beautiful big long par five surrounded by pot bunkers and it's just that traditional links. I didn't, you know, I was just sort of hitting and walking and playing and, you know, it just wasn't a nice afternoon to be out there. But, you know, it was the last time that I was going to be on the course and there was nowhere I would have rather have been. I didn't really care that I was getting wet and I wasn't really playing, you know, full a full round of golf. I was just by myself. Hey, 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 hey Roscoe, you yep. wouldn't believe what Mrs. Rocket's got me doing now. What's that? If you see some of the photos on Instagram, she's basically over this school holiday, just ripped up all the tiles. Yep. And then so every, everyone is basically living in our bedroom. And now she wants me to like cart this mattress upstairs so one of the kids can sleep on the mattress in our room. And they're all making an absolute ruckus. And she's thinking this is the funniest thing ever. Like the things that she makes me do while I'm doing a podcast. So this is can a pro- you believe this? What are the listeners going to think? This is a professional outfit. It's a professional. Well, it was until now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so while she's laughing at me, tell me about Muirfield because I want to hear about the Honourable the honorable Club of Edinburgh. No, 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 no. Honourable Company of Edinburgh. Golfers. Oh, I really tore my shoulder. Oh, God. All right. The Honourable Company of Edinburgh. Is that right? Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers. H-C-E-G. And that's what adorns. So is that where you had to wear the tie? Yes. Correct. Yes, that's right. So it probably has to be one of the most traditional uh, golf clubs in the world. Certainly, um, you know, it's up sits up alongside the R, sits up alongside the R and A in terms of tradition and upholders of you know golf tradition of the times and of that um, area. So, without giving it making it a history lesson, the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers was founded at a place called Leith Links. Back in the day, well, not back in the day, Leith is a harbourside suburb. So you can imagine, you know, back in the day. It was typical of a lot of harbourside suburbs, you know, um, wharf workers and different sort of waifs and strays that would, you know, be part of that dockside scene. It also happens to be the suburb where my parents grew up uh, and were raised. Yeah. So Leith has, has been a part of my life for a long time. So the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers was founded at Leith Links, which was uh, – a park land area not far from Leith Harbour and that's where the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers first had their, I think it was maybe six holes at Leith Links. Now I grew up knowing about Leith Links because it was the place where my dad and my uncles and on both sides of my family um, went to play football. My granddad ran some soccer teams at Leith Links and it was just a, you know, it was part of folklore in my childhood fairy tale telling time was uh, Leith Links. But um, they unveiled a, a monument to, about uh, the origins of golf and the foundations of it in Leith uh, Links because there's also a story where, you know, 
golf or golf, as they called it, came down from the um, Norwegian or the Scandinavian or, or the Dutch. I think the Dutch traders, that was more, more appropriate, uh, came down and they played a game called golf with a stick and a ball. Um, arguably the origins of golf are um, from that and, and they would come off the boats at Leith Harbour and then want to go and play golf somewhere and hit the ball and they played at Leith Links. Now, the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers wrote the first rules of golf at Leith Links and sometime after whatever the year was, and you can look it up, they moved down to Musselburgh. Yeah. And Musselburgh, I think, was where, the, where um, this might be the oldest golf course, I think. Oh, there's some history with Musselburgh. Sorry, I've gone blank on it. Then they moved to Muirfield, where they are now. So when you go into the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers, um, Muirfield Clubhouse, you will find the original rules of golf written in a glass cabinet and you'll also find the first ever golf trophy that was awarded um, by the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers, which is believed to be the first ever trophy in golf. By sitting in there in uh, in, the, in the members' um, dining lounge and it's quite surreal and Inside the clubhouse, there's so much history. Um, you know, if you've ever seen big, tall artworks at, at art galleries in your travels, rocket around the country and around the world, you know those big, 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 big artworks that people have painted many, many hundreds of years ago. And you think, how did they paint something so big? Well, that's that's everywhere inside uh, Millfield's clubhouse. Um, it's uh, anyone who's had any sort of connection to golf. And the club um, is painted and adorned in there some way, shape or form, big or small artwork, and it's just everywhere. And a lot of history. What was it like to play? Oh, no, let me, we'll get to that part. You know, it's more about the tradition, at, at, or as much about the tradition at Muirfield as it is the course. They call it a 3-2-3 club. So when you go and play at Muirfield, it's a day, it's not, it's not like get your quick 18 holes in, you know, I'm, pl- I'm got a seven o'clock and I'm home by 11. No, you play in the morning and you play your own ball and you might play in a, a three ball or a four ball and uh, you play your own ball. So you play stroke. That takes three rounds, three hours, sorry. And then after that, you'll have two hours worth of lunch and the menu de- never changes. It's always a carvery and sp- salad buffet and starters and whatever, and they, I believe that they're always the same type of menu. What was in the carvery? What's usually in a carvery? Beef, pork, chicken. Good lamb roast. Lamb, yes. Beef, pork, lamb. No, chicken, sorry. Lamb, lamb beef, and pork. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's five-star, mate. It's five-star carvery. It's not it's not uh, the exorbitance clubs on a Sunday night. It's five-star and... Uh, it's, not, it's not Smorgies. It's not Smorgies or Toby's, as they call it over there. Hey, it's Mickey, hey, It's beautiful. And, um, and you say so you have your lunch, and then you go back out in the afternoon and you play foursomes. So if you look at a if you look at a picture of Muirfield and you look at a you know, see an overhead picture, you'll see all these walk walking paths that are um, yeah, you know, yeah. So that's that's for the members to facilitate quick play. So when you're playing foursomes, you know the two that are hitting off the tee will go from the oh, green to the tee. They already they walk. So you've got the guys that are teeing off. They go to the, 
they walk from green to tea. The other two guys basically scarper up the fairway, correct, um, um, into you know into the zone. So yeah. when they uh, hit off, they can go up there, bang. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and they, and they sort of play as four caddies and and you know looking for the balls and and they just away they go and it just three hour three hour rounds and and away off you, off you go. So I I was there on a day when the British seniors group um, were at the end of their three day tournament. So they'd played in the morning. So I didn't get to play the morning part, but with my guest uh, my host um, member. We played the afternoon, so we had the lunch, and uh, yeah. and we had a two forty tee off time. So he, I was advised to be there on time at twelve pm, um, which I was, and we had lunch, and I met some wonderful gentlemen in there. Um, I had a lunch, was already in my tie and jacket, and then got changed out of my tie and jacket into my golfing attire and went and played golf. And the course was was great. What do you remember about Muirfield? What are your what are your Remem- uh, memories of Millfield because it's it's a course that's hosted I think every every tournament in golf you know it's hosted Walker Cup Ryder Cup the Open um what other cups are, are there maybe a Solheim Cup uh, I think uh, basically you know the Scottish Open you know it, it's hosted every you know major golf tournament pretty much you know that you can have going. So, so the thing I remember sort of about Muirfield is um, there aren't, I, I don't, can't, can't think of a schmuck that's won there. So Correct. it certainly produces really good winners. So let's, the course, who, who, who were some of the winners? Let's, so the last winner there was who? Phil Mickelson. Phil. Left, left, lefty. lefty. Ernie, and bef- then you had Ernie before Ernie. that. Yeah, that was the uh, the four man playoff. So you had uh, Thomas Bjorn, uh, Stuart Appleby, and Ernie. And who was the fourth one? Can't remember. Can't remember. The one. Can't remember. I think Nick Faldo won the two previous opens there. Yep, Faldo. So ninety two. That was where um, John Cook took the gas on 17 and 18. I met John, it's a side issue, a side note, I met John Cook's parents in uh, Palm Springs in 1987. That's another story. <laughs> um, so that was 92. But um, without going into the eight, years, Trevino's won there, Gary Players won there, Nicholas Wan won there, um, Arnold Palmer won there, all the big Harry guys. Cotton. Cotton. Walter Hagen. Hagen. Barden. James Braid. Um, you know, you're right. Yeah, no schmucks have won, have won the Open at Muirfield. No, and and part of it is because, um, yeah, not like a traditional links course where it's a bit of a you know it might run seaside or it runs it runs out. You know the the outward nine runs out and then off the back nine or the inward nine runs straight back in. So like what St Andrews, right? Very much goes one direction one way and one the other way. Yep. Where and where Muirfield every hole almost every hole. So no holes run the same direction. Pretty much more yeah. than two two holes two holes in a row. Yeah. And if the wind was coming from one direction you are on every hole essentially going to be playing a different type of shot. It is going to be a crosswind, a downwind, into the wind. So 
it's going to be just quite simply, just with the win will be a serious test of golf. But then you have the just the way it's been designed in terms of a lot of bunkers. I'm assuming a lot of blind bunkers, yep. ones that you wouldn't see. Yep. And then you have the hay. Yeah. And some of the more brutal hay that you probably find anywhere. There's plenty of hay in Scotland, but the hay at uh, Muirfield is special hay. Yeah. <laughs> special high. <laughs> no, it, look, it, it's it's really hard to describe. Um, there are some holes there which are just you know normal links holes. It's obviously it's in pristine condition. The greens over there were, were all playing fairly slow. Um, I reckon that would be because you know, imagine if the wind gets up there. Yeah. It's not like you could be having those bad boys running like ten or eleven on the stint. They weren't. They weren't. Yeah, balls going off the greens. They weren't overly undulating the greens, and there's it's pretty flat-ish. You know, as you say, it runs sort of around and almost in two loops. So you know, nothing's ever going the same way. There's a little high point on there. There's a couple of. There's a good par three. I can't remember what what hole it is. This might be like the twelfth. There's one out the back. There's yeah. like a thirteenth. I think yeah, it is. That's it's it. Yep. Hit, hit up to it. There's like pop bunkers all around it. Correct. I, I think I might have on a little video there that. Uh, my host saying, you know, you must avoid the bunker on the right-hand side, which was exactly the place where I hit it. But um, <laughs> that was okay. I had the full experience. Talked talk it into existence. Yeah. And, oh, you know, what's more memorable than playing down the 18th at Muirfield, I pushed my drive in over the bunker on the right. I was in the hay. Um I could still get my club onto it and it was into the wind and I tried to play a bunted sort of, I think it was a six iron and it came out pretty hot, you know, not a lot of spin, so I bunted it pretty well. It landed short of the green, ran through the back, but the pin was at the back, so that was okay. And just uh, two putted down for my par. I was pretty happy with that to walk off a par with par uh, in the last hole at Muirfield. It sort of, I could hear, I reckon. I could hear the, uh, I, reckon. I could hear that gentlemanly applause, um, you know, rattling around. Golf, golf clap. But yeah, um, that final hole, if you don't remember anything about Muirfield, you pretty much remember the donut bunker on the last hole. Um, you know, that oval shaped donut with the, the, the island in the middle and, and that's on the right hand side of the final green there. And it's just, you know, once you see that, you know, you know that you're in a pretty special place for golf and, you know, the clubhouse is one that's directly in the background as a lot of those famous links courses have, you know, in the UK, you know, the clubhouse right at the back of the 18th green. Um, no, it was a pretty amazing day, mate. It was. Uh, were there as many pop bunkers as what, you know, so I've watched plenty of um, open championships that have been played there, but are there as many pop bunkers as I think it is? And are they as brutal as what they look? Yeah, they definitely are. Yeah, and that's that's the the um, protection of, of of links golf. You know, you get into a pop bunker. You know, you're not. You know, I played at a three fairway bunkers today at Peninsula, and I was able to get out of the bunker and onto the green three times. Yeah, um, they're very good shots too, by the way, Rocket. Thanks for oh, asking. But, yeah, maybe that's also the fact that you've just come off three weeks of playing golf in Scotland. To, 
but if the, it's, uh, the it, game is the game is quite sharp. You're not playing out of a pop bunker and going for a green. There, you know, you're, play, you're, you're, you're playing. You're playing. You're playing. You're playing out to get it back in play, and uh, yeah. and that's the tactical part. So there's your, you know, there's your shot lost. You know, if you hit it in the rough, there's just, there's a shot lost. You know, you you pretty much ninety nine percent of the time, if you're in the rough. The hay rough, uh, you know, there's a, there is a cut and a cut line. But if you're in the deeper rough, um, whether it's a Craigielaw or Kilspindy or Millfield, that's a shot penalty because you can't you can't get a decent shot out of there and get the club required to get the ball onto the green and stop it. So you really are playing for a position so you can play that next shot and try and make it back up by getting up and down. Um, and that's the protection of of Lynx Golf, you know, the small bunkers with revetted, I'm in love with revetted face bunkers, um, you know, you, they're hard to get out of. They're small, but uh, they're beautiful. You know, they just make, they make the, the, the landscape look unbelievable. If you want to play golf on a Lynx course, you know, try and play early in the morning or later in the afternoon where the, when the sun's sort of casting the shadows over over the, the humps and the bumps and the over the fairways because it just looks it's like golf porn basically mm. so so renaissance we didn't, all of that, we didn't really talk about renaissance very much um, oh I think I'm done after Chris after Berwick and, and Muirfield so but, thinking but, about your but, whole trip no, but, but thinking about your whole trip I want to talk about renaissance because it's a really interesting contrast because it's a new course and it's got everything. It's it, it's doke in the middle of you know north, in, but smack bang in the middle between North Berwick and, and Muirfield, and you've got this brand you know eleven year old doke course there, and it's really really good. It's a really good course, and you can tell that it's doke. You know if you've played down down at um, St Andrews Beach or you played you know anywhere else where you know he's got one of his designs, you can tell, and it's it was really interesting to, for me for me to see. You know, especially after playing St Andrews Beach fairly recently, and you can certainly see some similarities. But uh, you know, he's built some holes there. There's that hole, if you remember, from the Scottish Open along the water. Uh, it was like that Cape Wickham. You know, I, I would equate it to the quality of that type of hole, um, just along the water, across the water, across the bay. Oh, it was fantastic. But really, really good golf club, and once again, an unbelievable experience. If you can get to play at Renaissance Club. It's a little different. It's not as traditional. You know, it's owned by the um, – run and owned by the Savardi family. Oh, you know, Rocket, I played with Jerry Savardi, the owner of the bloody joint, you know, playing in our little sixum. And and, and the one of the Savardi family members is playing alongside me. And those guys, you know, are as invested in Scottish golf as anybody. You know, they, they obviously – generated some immense wealth out of, you know, their business success and acumen in the States, but they've spent that and invested that in, you know, the little country of five, six million people in Scotland. But if there's anyone invested in making that area be successful, it's the Savardi family, not because they've got this club that they want everyone to come to, but they just love the place. You know, uh, Jerry's daughter goes to school over there and, uh, you know, they're pretty invested in the Scottish Open and they want it to, you know, obviously it's coming back there next year, but... They, you know, want to make that part of the world, you know, on the map. And um, but you know, you should see the facilities there in the clubhouse. Oh, it's next level, mate. You know, you think Peninsula is good, the Renaissance Club, yeah, man, unbelievable. 
Uh, it's, it's good that you know you got the likes of people like that, uh, and you think about the Mike Kaisers and all these different people that they make a considerable living from you know the business interests that they have, but they fall in love with the game and they want to give back. You know, so they make, they spend a lot of money. Uh, of their own hard-earned um, to build something that's quite unique and it's not for ego, it's because they love the game and they want to create something unique that you know, people can come and play. Yep. So, you know, you've got, you've got to take your hats off to people like that that, um, you know, you know that they really care about the game and even, you know, I've heard plenty of, I've heard a couple of podcasts when, Mike is, oh not Mike, sort of um, Tom Doak has even talked about Renaissance Club in terms of those guys, they were trying to get him to build there and he was reluctant <laughs> to do that for at least five or six years because it was between Muirfield and, and yeah. North Berwick. He's like, how, how can I build anything on this piece of land between these two courses that is justify, that is justifiable? He said, because I, because I almost feel like if I built something there, it'd be blasphemous. No, well, in my opinion, he has done himself and the uh, the land there justice, and the course is the course is good. The course is really good. There's a, you know, like any any links course, there's a couple of holes which are you know just golf holes, and you know, but that just leads you to greater excitement when you get you know whacked in the face with this unbelievable golf hole and um, yeah, they're not all unbelievable golf holes on Muirfield or North Berwick or any of the courses at Peninsula or wherever you play, Royal Melbourne, West or East, they're not all unbelievable holes but when you do get to the unbelievable holes, you know, that's what makes it even more exciting. Uh, it's all about the reveal. Yes. So yeah, um, that's pretty much... Uh, so if you were to sum up your whole trip, I went to Carnoustie. I went to Carnoustie and I went to St Andrews, but just for a visit, just for you know, stood on the first tee, had a look, um, oh. soaked up a bit of atmos. You know, St Andrews. A lot of people still don't recognise that St Andrews is closed on Sundays, so it's not open for play on Sundays because it's ma- managed and maintained by the St Andrews Links Trust, which is part of the uh, local yeah. government body and they manage six or seven courses, the Castle Course, King's Course, whatever else it's called. But St Andrews, the old course, is closed and it's open for the public. So you rock up and you can walk on the fairways. They close rope off the greens um, at the moment. But, you know, you can take your picnic rug, you can take one of the walking tours of people who will guide you around there and put the earphones in your ear. You can run your dog on there. You can throw your frisbee, kick your soccer ball. Um I don't think you can fly your drone. I would have loved to have done that, but uh, <laughs> too many people around. But yeah, you know, we we just went up for a walk, and and uh, I think Mrs. My Love of Golf appreciated the fact that she was walking on hallowed ground, and the fairways were just unbelievable, man. It was just like I wanted to take my shoes off and walk on it with my bare feet. I should have. But um, the lineup to get pictures on the on the on the Swilkin Burn um, Swilkin Bridge was a little bit too long. I, done that a couple of other times, didn't do that. I actually went up and took some photos for some people who didn't have photo takers for them, so I went and did all of that and did my little um, you know, good deed for the day and 
and off we went. Yeah, so, sorry. If I had to sum up the whole trip, you were about to ask me? One sentence. One sentence. I know, it's tough. Lynx Golf is one of the greatest gifts to golfers that everyone should experience in their lifetime. There you go. That's how I would sum it up. Lynx Golf is one of the greatest gifts to golfers that everyone should experience in their lifetime. Wow. Oh, I can just say, you know, you, 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 you've gone back to the you've gone back to the motherland and also the motherland of the great game that we love. So, I love, um, I love the place. I, there was a time in my life, Rocket, when I didn't really have as much of an interest in going to Scotland, and and that was for various reasons. But uh, you know, you could put me on a plane and take me across there tomorrow. Um, Mrs. My Love of Golf reminds me that I've never really fully experienced a winter living there, which she obviously has for a number of years. Um, but uh, you could take me there tomorrow because it's just heaven. It's just golfing heaven. And, and, and everywhere, you know, East Lothian, which is just 20 minutes drive from Edinburgh, it's absolute heaven, you know, and we haven't even talked about half of the courses that are in the area. There are plenty, plenty, plenty more. Um, but you go across to Fife and you've got another 20 courses over there. You go up to, you know, um, I don't know the name of the areas, but Dundee up through to Aberdeen. There's another 20 courses there. You go over to the west into Ayrshire. There's another 20 courses over there. It's unbelievable. We had this discussion, you know, she said, oh, I hope all of this driving around, you know, it's not going to be golf, golf, golf courses. I said, darling. And I said it in the catch You're, in, you're in Scotland I said, now. You, you can't not drive to somewhere and not be surrounded by some golf course of significance that I'm going to want to go and set foot on. And uh, anyway, that's when we just had to do that part and I just had to forget about any golf course that we were going near and just go and do the uh, do the house time, which is good, which is good. We took a lovely cruise on Loch Lomond. And uh, when Neil Fraser, I think he is the the guy who does the you know around the coast shows, he's done around the coast of New Zealand and around the coast of quite a famous Scotsman. He's narrating on this uh, Loch Lomond tour. We get down the down the river there half an hour. He says, and on the left side you can see the fairways of Loch Lomond Golf Course, one of the most exclusive clubs in the whole of Scotland. I just looked at. Alex and she's rolling her eyes. Oh, I can't get away! I told you, can't get away from golf anywhere. So we're even on the mm-hmm. even on the Loch Lomond boat cruise. They're talking about golf. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, funny. So, mate, um, uh, I think that's about it for Scotland. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I take any more. I'm just still drooling. I think we might have to just talk about even some other stuff that might be just happening in the uh, golf world. Well, even though you know, there's no majors for a fair few months, but you know, never a dull day. I uh, trust you to be abreast of all that, my good man, and because uh, I'm not, other than watching a bit of the Dunhill, um, <laughs> just to just to rekindle my Scotland fix from the day on the day that I get off the plane, <laughs> as to go and watch. Uh, were you like up against the? Were you like up close to the TV and sort of touching it? As if like it was a long lost love in the distance. No, well, not not really. But I was certainly um, I watched every minute of it because I struggle with jet lag 
immensely on the way back. I never get it on the way there. I was messaging you. (laughs) You certainly, uh, it was loud and clear, um, the uh, challenges that you were experiencing, but, you know, you're right across the world, other side of the world for three weeks, and you would have been super dialed in. So coming home, um, yeah, I challenge anyone to, to... Handle jet lag well in that scenario. I will talk Anyone about one. Says they reckon. They'll I'll be, talk. They're, they're I'll tell you the reason. One of the reasons why I had unbelievable jet lag is because I didn't sleep. Maybe, maybe I slept for a few hours on the first leg of the flight from Edinburgh to Dubai, but then I popped on to my um, through Audible the audio book of Tom Coyne, a course called Scotland. Just, to, just if I hadn't had enough of Scotland and Scotland golf, I listened from cover to cover, twelve hours of Tom Coyne's A Course Called Scotland. And if you want to know anything about where to go and where to play golf and what it's like and what the people are like and what the places are like, read or listen to, in my case, Tom Coyne's book. It's, it's. It's a beautiful story. He just tells his story about the people that he was with, uh, all the courses that he played, and it's not a it's not a deep dive into course architecture and all that. It's more about you know one guy's journey, one American uh, academic slash writer's journey around Scotland to play all all of the courses that he can in two months on his way to um, trying to qualify for the Open, uh, which was at Brunsfield Links. Um, I think it was. He was trying to qualify for the last Open at St Andrews, so it was around that time, and, and the whole story. It's just a wonderful listen or read. Um, so if you want to get a good dose of Scotland and Scotland golf, read Tom Coyne's A Course Called Scotland. He also done a course called Ireland uh, where he walked around the entirety of Ireland playing golf, and uh, he also did a book called Paper Tiger. But there you go. That's why I had jet lag, because I listened to bloody 12 hours worth of a book. <laughs> Uh, I don't reckon it would have mattered. I don't, yeah, I've spent a week in the US and I come back and I'm shattered for a couple of days. So, mate, what what's happened in uh, the 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 tour? What? Oh, so I went to the Solheim Cup. I went to the Solheim Cup. That was amazing. We didn't talk about Solheim Cup. Quickly talk about Solheim Cup. It was amazing. It's everyone's seen it, and Suzanne Pedersen sunk that six footer won the Solheim Cup. It, it really did turn it around from, if you didn't watch any of it or much of it, it was America with about 10 minutes to go and it was all red and the Blues were, you know, this isn't going to go the Blues way. I was, I was going to say our way because I was on the, the European side. And then all of a sudden it was a bang, bang. Um, I forget the girl lost when she three-putted and Suzanne Pedersen just walked up on the 18th, last part of the day, drained a six-footer, wins the Solheim Cup, comes out and says, that's it, I'm done. She was a captain's pick. She was uh, two years out of the game. It was sensational. And let me tell you, the the crowds, there's like 70,000 people there. And the the thing that impressed me the most was uh, the centenary course at Glen Eagles. Glen Eagles is an unbelievable facility. Three courses there, the Kings, the Queens, and the centenary unbelievable hotel, which I didn't get anywhere near. I took a photo from from afar from it, but – you know, I can see why Glen Eagles is so such highly regarded destination and very very expensive. But the uh, 
PGA Centenary course was built as a stadium course. You know, it's obviously hosted Ryder Cup, now Solheim Cup. It was a, that was a great day. It was a great day, and thank you to uh, Bushnell for organising my ticket to the Solheim Cup. Mm, it was really cool. The girls are great. The girls, the girls smash it. Girl, the girls just the quarter sisters, uh, Lexi Thompson, um, Brooke Henderson, uh, Van Dam. Oh my goodness. These girls, it was really, really good to watch. wasn't wasn't what I expected. There you go. What else has been happening on tour, Rocket? Oh, the the um, FedEx Cup has started again. New season. Mm. Quite boring, really. Mm. A couple of events. A couple of uh, just a couple of Spanish people have won the first couple of events. Um, Neiman on the Greenbrier, so his first victory at the US Tour, which is good. Mm. Sebastian Nunez won the Sanderson. Um, Cameron Champ uh, won the Safeway. That was quite a heartfelt victory because his um, grandfather, who lives in the area, is um, is actually in hospice at the moment. So I think he's. You know, got a lot of health problems, and so he's you know at the start of the week he was kind of dedicating the 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 event to his um to his grandfather, sort of introduced him to the game, and so it was you know from a uh, an emotional scripted story it was quite good. Um, I'll leave it at that. I have my own issues about how the PGA Tour do stuff like come and chat. I'll leave that for another day. Um, so apart from that, it's been all right. Uh, I, I, I struggle with the PGA Tour and how they just jam so many events in. It's like we just don't even get a we just don't even get a breather. Mm. Um, what do we got this weekend? The, yeah. the Shriners this weekend? The, uh, yeah, sun, the Shriners Summer yeah, Club. So, um, summer yeah, Club. So yeah. we've got um, the fraudulent physicist is a defending champion. Um, in in Las Vegas, so you know maybe he should go and spend some time on the uh, on the blackjack table there in Las Vegas, and um, put his you know beautiful mind to work and see if he can you know, counting numbers do some yeah do some counting cards you know because when you're playing that game you're allowed to take as much time as you want so <laughs> it's just perfect for him it's absolutely perfect for him you're better off down um, there. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of PGA Tour uh, and and European Tour, what's going on with Rory? Is is he trying to make some enemies? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think Rory's addicted to the US. He's um he's the Prince of Pontevedra. I think someone called the other day. So <laughs> he is the epitome of the US PGA Tour. He's criticised the European Tour. Reckons their courses aren't tough enough. He's complained about the equipment, reckons, you know, there should be changes with the equipment. Um, I don't know what to make of Rory. I really don't. How could he he say that the courses aren't tough enough? So he played at Kings Barnes, Carnoustie and the old course on the weekend. And he didn't didn't win. He didn't blitz the field. He was nowhere near it. I'm going to call him Anakin. He, he is Anakin. He is Anakin. He is Anakin Skywalker to golf. He was the chosen one, and now he's turning into Darth Vader. He was the chosen one, and look at him now. 
like you know me the you know of the, the golf universe is Obi-Wan Kenobi and they're yelling out no one can know that's what's happening right now <laughs> he's becoming evil he is he's top, he was named player of the year <laughs> over Brooks Kepka yeah well, yeah, that, Kepka oh, that didn't won well. three times, including a major, and in the majors finished uh, second, first, second, and fourth. Rory didn't have a top ten. Mm. He won the players, won the Canadian Open, and he won the Tour Championship. Did he win the Tour Championship? I've no idea. I think I just blanked out. And he won PGA Player of the Year. Come on. He is Anakin. That's it. His new name is Anakin. He is Anakin. Well, he's he's not... He's copying some press at the moment, and you're right. He should be very grateful and thankful and appreciative of, of everything that golf on either side of the continent and either tour that he plays on and represents is offering him because people both sides of the golfing globe love him he's so well supported but he doesn't he doesn't need to drop out of that status you know he doesn't need to become another prickly pear um you know jeepers you know it's almost like he should be running down the fairways in scotland handing 50 pound notes to kids he's got that many of them here go and buy your first set of golf clubs here go and here's 50 quid go and buy a new driver or something like that you know like I'm being facetious but you know what I mean like he's got that much from the game I apologise to the listeners for the Star Wars references but that was just what came to my head and it's all I could think of he's Anakin he's turned (laughs) yeah anyway um Anything else, Phil? Phil, you've got to have a Phil moment. You've got to have something from Phil. What, oh, uh, some uh, really good stuff. I'm enjoying Phil's fireside chat. He had one with Larry David. It was okay. Yeah. Reasonably funny. I still love the fact that he goes everywhere with his Hall of Fame jacket and wears shorts <laughs> and pulls it off. And he has his, his Phil Mickelson branded, like, coffee mug thing. It is just, it's just classic. It is just classic. Um, and he's looking in quite good shape too. Because oh, he, he, um, he, uh, he went on that fast. He was fasting before the, the British Open, and um, he is looking quite felt. Is Mickelson? Yeah. So not only does he have um, calves like an Adonis, he's um, he's found his obliques, and um, he might be uh, actually legitimately digging in for a big year for uh, when he turns the big five zero. Hmm. All right. What else? What else? What else? Anything else, mate? Oh, some driver doping. Some uh, more driver doping fight. being reported by by Reuters. Not the normal golf thing. So, so five people tested yeah. tested to have uh, yeah tested you know, positive. Five people tested positive to driver doping. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one name that I, that was um, was made apparent was um, Corey Connors. You know, um, looking last year, one on the PGA Tour. He's uh, one in the top five for driving distance. So court driver doping. So you know, I don't know how the uh, the um, the evil empire is going to handle this one. PGA Tour, I call them. Um, so mm, not sure, not sure. But you know, the 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 
the talk around equipment and something needing to be done, it's just getting slowly getting louder and louder. Let's call it the resistance. Let's, let's, let's just hang with the Star Wars reference and call people wanting to, you know, fix and roll back either the golf ball or the golf clubs, the resistance. The resistance is there and they're coming out and trying to overthrow the evil empire. Interesting analogies. What side are you on? Are you on the resistance? Are you part of the resistance? I am part of the resistance because, you know, I'm not, if I was, put it this way, if it was 20-year-old me, I'd be swinging the club fast enough to gain the advantages that you gain from these clubs. Because here's the thing, these big drivers that come out, unless you swing it north of 115 miles per hour, you do not gain a cracker from them. It's, it's only achieved once you are above 115 miles per hour swing speed. And that's when you start to get the gain, the actual gains of distance. The only thing it's done in these clubs is, especially the drivers is, um, you know, it's just made it a little bit easier to hit, mm. a little bit easier on the dispersion. The balls don't spin as much. Um, so it's a bit of a ball thing, club thing. It's a driver and the ball. So, you know, it needs to be changed because, especially the professional game, you know, there's players like Adam Scott and even Rory, even though he's Anakin, once upon a time he was the chosen one. When he was the chosen one, you know, one of the things that was his advantage was he was one of the longest, straightest drivers going around. And, you know, this is a Tiger thing as well. You know, the gap between someone that was great at certain parts of the game and it separated them, um, it's just narrowed. It's just sad. Rocket? Yes? I think think we might pull up stumps there. So I've got... Yes, we've had a nice long chat. We've had a nice long chat. It's been a great chat. I've come away from Scotland very pumped about my golf. Um, I came away from Scotland with a couple of really cool interviews with young Gabrielle McDonald and Paul Riley, two young stars of Scottish golf in applying their trade in uh, two totally different uh, professional forms. But I've got two interviews with those guys and we'll put those out shortly. Um, and I might even have a set of hickories coming, Rocket. So I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to playing some hickory golf and just seeing what that uh, growing vibe, you know, we're talking about uh, resistance and, you know, rolling backs and that sort of thing. There's a growing trend for people to want to play the hickory form of golf. The hickory champion world championships are actually in East Lothian next week. And I've got some, uh, well, I'm pretty sure I've got some hickory clubs on the way. And uh, I can't wait to uh, share those with you, mate. There you go. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. All right, my good man. Thanks again for tuning in to everyone for listening. Um, you can find us on social media at My Love of Golf. You can email us to uh, ross at myloveofgolf.com. Uh, we do have a website, not a lot of uh, material on there other than it says that uh, we've got a great podcast that you should listen to. Instagram is a great way to connect with us at My Love of Golf on Instagram. Uh, you can also connect with us at Twitter at My Love of Golf. And um, this is the podcast where our love of golf is your love of golf. 
Thanks again for listening. Until next time, this is Roscoe out of here and... Peace out from Rocket and the Resistance. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thank you. Love you.